Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. Get ready for the national championship game with the ESPN College Football Podcast, hosted by a rotating talent roster, including Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollack, Booger McFarlane, Paul Feinbaum, Joey Galloway, and more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to another episode of In the Crease. Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. First of all, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, how is your new year and happy new year, Emily Kaplan? Thank you so much, Linda. My new year is great. We are three days in. Each day has been better than the last. Um, so I can't complain. How is your new year? It was great. I did get word that I was not taking a trip to Seattle today to do our game, Seattle Islanders, uh, because of the Islanders. I get it. I totally get it. Seattle was their first stop, but all the rest of their road trip games was in Canada. And so we all know what chaotic situation is in Canada right now. And I really do feel for hockey fans in Canada uh, who are having to deal with this and dealing with no fans again. You know, I was on the radio uh, earlier today. And, you know, most of the listeners there are from Canada and they highly have to adjust to watching hockey, which is a, a good thing, but to see no fans again in the stands or 1000 fans or 250 or whatever it is. Uh, but they're being positive, Emily, that in the next four to six weeks, maybe they will be following in the footsteps of here of us in the States, you know, moving in the right direction. Um, but my new year was great overall. It's just that I wasn't packing for Seattle. But you, my dear, you have a busy week ahead. I know that. Tell me about that first. I want to talk about my week ahead. But first, I feel like we got to talk about the Winter Classic because that happened on New Year's Day. And firstly, Linda, I've got a gripe. The Winter Classic is supposed to be special. It's a spectacle. And it really was. And it felt cool. Like everyone should be watching this event. The guys' beards are frozen because it's so cold at Target Field in Minnesota. They're celebrating the great state of hockey. You see their breath in the air. The NHL not only schedules games during the day, but they schedule games during the Winter Classic at all. That just felt unsavory to me. Yeah, that was crazy. Also, we knew how cold it was going to be. I know it's a TV situation, and I'd be saying the same thing if the game was on ESPN and ABC, but, you know, to have the game at night, I mean, I felt for those players. I know all the players are the right thing before, during, and after. What a great thing. Mine's when they were a little kid. We hear it every year. Uh, am I sick of the Winter Classic? Absolutely not. No. But full disclosure, Emily, I'm sorry. On New Year's Day, I was not sitting there for the full four hours, which, oh, by the way, it seems like it takes four hours, doubles the amount of time of a regular hockey game. And I understand why we have great intermission musical guests, which I tweeted out. I love Thomas Rhett. So full disclosure, that's, you know, I get it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. But um, I didn't sit there from start to finish. And I don't know what that means. You know, I said to myself, does that mean I'm tired of this whole concept? No, absolutely not. But did it drag on? Yeah, it seems to drag on. And you're going to get a lot of whistles. You're not going to get perfect hockey. You're not going to get close to it because of the conditions. It doesn't have to be minus seven, minus nine. 
to slow a game down. Am I down on the Winter Classic? Not 100%. No. Am I tired of the Winter Classic, Emily? No, I am not. Please, please keep having them each and every year. Because what wins me over all the time, Emily, is the fact that the players love it. And most important, the fans love it. And they wait a long time to host a Winter Classic game. Mm -hmm. And I get that. And uh, I think it's a great thing. But full disclosure, I wasn't sitting on my couch for the full three and a half hours or whatever it was. Well, you missed the U.S. women's national team get announced, which was a little unsavory because they kind of talked over it. And it was kind of funny having the one analyst there be Jen Botterill, who's a Canadian legend, talk about the U.S. team. A little funny there. Um, yeah, you know, it was nice for Minnesota. It was great. I got to say, the Blues put on a show. Jordan Cairo is one of the most electric skaters in the league. He is starting to really find his stride. It's nice to see after his career was derailed early by some really bad knee injuries. So I'm happy to see him find it. And the Blues are that team that, as we told Colton Puerto on this podcast, we weren't excited about. I wasn't excited about to end, begin the year. And now I'm like, damn, they're kind of good. And I can see them making another long run. So kudos to them. Other places I want to get up. Yeah, wait, I just want to jump in on the Blues. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, they made us all believers. They're Stanley Cup contenders again. I know they leave the Central Division by one point, and I know things are changing all the time in the Central Division and all these divisions, and we still got plenty of hockey to play. But, man, they just look focused. I know it starts with the head coach, Craig Berube, and the captain, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, but Jordan Bennington is having one of those years making the big stop at the right time. They just seem very together. And Vladimir Tarasenko, he had a smile on his face the entire time at the Winter Classic, probably freezing his toes off. But, you know, and he was contributing. He's always happy. He doesn't look like the guy wants to be traded anymore. So I think they're all together pulling on that one rope. And they remember how great it was when they shocked the world and won a Stanley Cup. And I think they want to get back to that place. And I think they're, they're, they're built for that. Do you know why I know they're all together as a team? It was the second they arrived in their Tommy Bahama beach wear, despite it being <laughs> so cold outside. And yeah. you can see there's buy-in. They're having fun. This is something they agreed to do together. And I just thought that was really neat. Um, other places I want to see have a winter classic. We're going to see an outdoor game eventually in Nashville. I'd like to see one. We're going to see one eventually in um, North Carolina. They've promised one to Raleigh. I want to see one in Columbus. Columbus deserves one. That's a fan base that I think could rally around, put it at Ohio State Stadium. I also want to see something at Beaver Stadium where I went to school, Penn State. Give me Pittsburgh versus the Flyers. I know we've seen so many winter classics involving those two teams that it's always, I know, the East, the Metropolitan, but... It's an iconic venue, an iconic rivalry. And that's one of the games I have later this week, Linda. Flyers versus Penguins. Even when one of them isn't good, which the Flyers are not, it's still a good game. Yeah, I know. But the Flyers are so showing signs of life, you know, under Mike Yo. Uh, they got a, a big hill to climb. But, yeah, getting back to the venues where I'd like to see it happen. Uh, yeah, Nashville's going to be a party when that happens. Uh, but I'm with you on Ohio State uh, because we saw how great it was in Ann Arbor with Michigan. And it's only fitting that you award and reward uh, the uh, arch rivals of the biggest rivalry, one of them in all of sports, Ohio State and Michigan. And if you put it to hockey, of course, and also in, in the hockey world as well. So, um, yeah, that would be a perfect spot. Colum and Columbus is just a great fan base. And so let's make that happen. I know we have the power, Emily. We'll try to make that happen uh, for the Columbus faithful. Um, getting back to the Flyers, and uh, let's jump there. And I know you have a couple of games this week. Uh, I think they're really showing signs of life. The problem is there. They, they like the devils who are also coming around, um, you know, playing the way they did early on in the season for Lindy Ruff, really grasping his system. 
Um, but there's a lot of uh, hills to climb there. A lot of teams ahead of them in order to make the playoffs when you're talking about the Eastern Conference and grabbing one of those two wildcard spots. So, you know, I just want to say where we're at with that, just so you kind of get a perspective, because I know probably in the holidays and the new year, you're not locked into the standings of the wildcard. There was no game going on. So it's fine if you plugged out of hockey altogether. Right. Maybe give you time to uh, kind of think about it. But actually the Flyers, uh, they're only two points out of that final wildcard spot. So they're right there in the mix with a 500 record. They have righted the ship after the firing of Elaine Vigneault. And the Devils are only three points out of the last wildcard spot. So, yeah, there are a few teams to climb. They have Detroit's ahead of Philly. Columbus is ahead of the Devils. But we're, we are uh, going to have a great, you know, final month of the regular season because of the races we have, and nothing is set in stone. There's going to be some incredible races. And, yeah, the Devils seem to be finding their stride now that Jack Hughes is getting hot again. Two really impressive overtime wins in the last week. I'm going to focus on the Flyers really quickly, though, because this is the game I was supposed to have right before the break. It got canceled. I did a lot of reporting that didn't get to go on air. And now I'm going to have them again on Thursday when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins on ESPN+. Plus. But a player that's not going to be there is Sean Couturier. And, you know, I think when people have talked about the Flyers this year, first we've talked about Elaine Vigneault. It wasn't a fit. They had to move on. Great. We knew that. Okay. Then we talk about the injury luck they've had. Oh, they haven't had Ryan Ellis. That's been a big issue. They didn't have Kevin Hayes for a while. Okay. We're done with that. The guy that no one's really talked about is Sean Couturier, who the Selkie winner last year and just hasn't looked like himself this year. And he's gone on IR. So unfortunately we're not going to see him Thursday, but I just wanted to give fans a little perspective of what's going on behind the scenes with him. Because when I was supposed to have that game, he didn't take morning skate or the practice the day before it was a maintenance day. And the GM Chuck Fletcher told me, you don't realize how much it's taking for him just to get onto the ice. It's a lot of preparation. That's why we're giving him these maintenance days. It's both an upper body injury and a lower body injury. He had been dealing with it since training camp. Chuck was like, look, a lot of guys wouldn't play through this, but this is the type of guy Sean is. He's a warrior. But besides that, he's just had a year. His longtime agent and mentor passed away from intestinal cancer last year. Him and Sean were really close to each other since Sean was 12 years old. And obviously, you know, when someone close to you passes away, that's tough. That's grief is something that we live with every day. And, you know, it just doesn't go away. His father also had a pretty serious surgery right before Sean reported to training camp. Everything's under control now, but that was on his brain. So if you think of all of this compounding, it's almost a miracle that he's played even decently well, considering everything he's been through. And, you know, I sometimes just like reminding fans of these stories because we can be so critical of players and it's so easy to say he sucks. He's not playing well. He doesn't deserve that contract, but they're always human beings too. And, you know, I just, I hope that they're okay, both on the ice, but off the ice as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And you brought up the big picture with certain players and what they deal with and what we don't know. And, you know, I'm guilty as charged at times of being critical of certain players. And I don't know all the situation. I was a Boston Bruin netminder to Garask, of course, when he pulled out of a playoff game 90 minutes before the game. I was on the radio at the time and I basically ripped him. I didn't think it was fair to his teammates. Then we find out. But it took a while. Uh, the GM wasn't Don Sweeney wasn't uh, for, forthcoming on saying it was a family issue. Uh, when he could have right then and there, he did not. He decided- Great point, Linda, because so much of this is about the messaging and communication that we received, because if we don't know, then we make assumptions. And sometimes those assumptions are wrong. 
Exactly, Emily. So that was a situation, but we had first learned and we had then later learned it was a family issue. So now he's expected to come back to the Bruins in a few weeks. They already have two goalies, Jeremy Swayman, who I love and adore. And then you have Linus Ulmark, also good, also both affordable. Um, and the reason why I bring up the Bruins, a couple of big reasons. Kudos to Bruce Cassidy behind the bench. You know, he's like a Mike Sullivan to me. He's like, he finds ways to keep the group together, keep the team together. Somehow they, you know, yeah, they have talented players on their rosters. I get it. But, you know, the coach has a lot as say in, in the National Hockey League compared to other sports. So the Boston Bruins are in that final wild card spot right now. But they have like a million games in hand on like all the teams ahead of them. Barely played. Yeah, they have at least three games at hand. They again, they're active. They won a big game in Detroit, uh, you know, the night last night, I think it was um, Sunday night. And, uh, you know, they're ahead of them. Um, and, and but getting back to the goalie situation. So that when Tuca comes back uh, and hopefully he's healthy and is going to fit right in, it's going to be Tuca and Jeremy Swayman. And that leaves out Linus Olmark, which brings me to the Edmonton Oilers. I don't, again, every stinking year, I talked about this all the time. In the last two off seasons, Ken Holland, who I like, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, should have made a move for a goaltender. For some reason, he believes in a 40-plus-year-old goalie in Mike Smith and another guy who's overpaid in Miko Koskinen. Sorry, Miko, he's 34 years old or whatever he is. That's not working. I'm not saying the Oilers doesn't, don't have bigger problems. They have other problems in depth. But it always starts with a goaltender, and it always will with the Edmonton Oilers. They just need a guy that can make a stop at the right time. And I mean, if I didn't make calls already into Boston to find out the, you know, the status. Now, if I'm Edmonton, I'm going for Jeremy Swayman. But if I'm the Bruins, there's no way I'm giving up that guy. Young, good. He's really coming to his own. Um, that's where I start calling and see if Elitis Olmark, you know, can be available. Because the Bruins don't want to carry three goalies, even in this COVID situation, all that craziness. Uh, you can't carry three goalies. Linus Olmark is cheap. I think he's on a one-year deal for under a million dollars. Uh, you know, I think that's the direction Edmonton needs to go and not even wait for a trading deadline. Start figuring something out now to improve your team. And they have a big game tonight as we speak. The only game in town at Madison Square Garden, taking on the red hot New York Rangers who, you know, don't look now. The New York Rangers, last I looked, uh, are right up there. They, they look good, you know, still only good enough for third place in the Metropolitan Division, which is remarkable. Kudos to Washington and Carolina. But uh, they do look good. They look for real. 21-8-4. They just swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know it's not the same Lightning team, but Vasilevsky did come back in that second of the back-to-back. So you still beat him. And no Panarin for them. And they still figured it out, Panarin and COVID protocol. Uh, So uh, this game tonight for the Oilers, uh, again, Mike Smith is in that, I believe, for this one. I mean, it, you know, if the if the Rangers lose this game at home to Edmonton, I'm not worrying about the Rangers. But if Edmonton doesn't, you know, find a way here to, I don't know, play well. I mean, they played well against the Islanders. You know, it was a 3-2 game, so at least it wasn't a blowout. But it's still not what I expect from a team with the two best players in the National Hockey League in Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And let me just throw this at you, Emily. This is what I was thinking about. Are we questioning now? You know, you could be great at this game, but how great are you of being a leader? Can we question the leadership of, can I'm just throwing it out there, of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on this team? Because it doesn't seem like year after year they lift the play of others around them. Or maybe I'm wrong, but I'm tired of this mediocrity. 
The only reason I'd push back on that, and I, I think there is a fair argument to be said of like, look, you've got two generational talents. Why is it not translating? Is that when I look at this team and why they've fallen to as badly as they are, it's not just the goaltending. They can't defend well, period. It's their defensive structure that is totally unraveled and the personnel, quite frankly, that they have on the blue line. So Connor McDavid can't play defense. He can only play as much as he can, which, you know, at best is a little under half of the game. And that's if he's really putting in those workmanlike minutes. So yes, there's probably ways I'd like to see him lead more outwardly, more vocally, um, maybe just take a little more onus on himself at the same time his GM's got to get him some defensive help. Yeah. I just don't understand it. That fan base deserves better. And while, and I love Connor McDavid, he is, there's no arguably, he is the best player in the national hockey league, the most exciting player in the national hockey league. He deserves better. And yeah, I'm throwing it out there. doesn't mean I believe it, but I'm throwing it out there. I just, I mean, if I'm frustrated, can you imagine how McDavid and Dreisaitl feel? Because they feel they do their best every game. And they do their jobs and they expect others to do theirs. And I don't know why the GM still does not see that and didn't make these improvements. So we'll see what happens tonight. And again, even if Edmonton wins, Emily, I still wake me up for the postseason because that's when I want to see some W's in the in the column for the Oilers. I think you said that on like our fourth ever podcast. You've been on this since the startland. I'll give you that. And, you know, I was reading one of those things like what's out for 2021, what's in for 2022 vibes were in in 2021 everyone was talking about vibes omens are the new thing in 2022 omens, okay. and I feel like a couple bad overtime losses and the fact that everyone in the league is starting to chatter about Dave Tippett's job security yeah Not he's another one who does what what's going on there like why does he get a pass I know I ripped Ken Holland but it starts there just like I pumped up the Bruce Cassidy's and the Mike Sullivan's who find ways with less. Yep. Okay. Why doesn't this guy build up that roster, that depth, get some, uh, you know, I don't know what he has to do, but whatever he's doing, it's not working. So I'm glad you brought him up. How does he still have a job? How does he still have a job? When you look at the firings that we've had, the Travis Greens, the Elaine Vigneault's, you know, the walking away of Paul Maurice who knew his voice was not being listened to anymore by his team. Dave Tippett needs to channel an inner Paul Maurice and realize perhaps the truth is out there. It's not working. I think the only reason he still has a job right now is that they are still in playoff position, but look, not totally safe. The Sharks and the Kings, the Canucks and Red Hot Bruce Boudreau, they're all hovering right around there. And the Sharks, I keep wanting to write them off, then I watched their game against the Penguins the other day where they're down 6-1 in the first period and then all of a sudden storm back and make it yeah. a one-goal game by the third. Like, they've got a little resiliency. Eric Carlson started to look good, yeah. Yeah, and look at their roster. They still got the core group there. They got Burns, they got, you know, Carlson, you know, you Timo Meyer, Hurdle. I mean, I can go on and on. And they have good goaltending. Not on and on. That's probably just it. But yeah, but they have they've been getting good goaltending from Reimer, you know, and all of that. But you're right about you know nothing set in stone. That probably is gonna it's that's what it's gonna take. You know that for them to fall out of playoff position because it's tenuous. It's a point. They're in the last wild card spot. Edmonton is the Kings. Credit to them. Credit to Todd McClellan. I didn't think it had, he added in them, but they are just a point behind Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets are just two points out of a playoff spot, as is your San Jose Sharks. 
as is the Vancouver Canucks. We have three teams at 35 points. They are three points behind the final wild card spot. How about that? It's truly, you know, and that final wild card spot is held by Edmonton. Now, here's the difference. Colorado, team you want to talk about, Colorado and Edmonton both have the same amount of points. Who do you have more faith in of making a rise up the standings? Yeah, they have the same amount of points, but four games in hand that Colorado Avalanche (laughs) didn't play for a month. (laughs) Right. But the point is, we all believe in the Avalanche. We all believe they're going to make a run when it matters most. I have no faith in the Oilers at this point. And it's truly remarkable. By the by the time of our next taping of our next podcast, the Oilers could be out of playoff position. It's wild. Yeah, the Avalanche do have the fewest games played in the West, but we did want to talk about them because that is my game tomorrow back at the United Center. I've got the Colorado Avalanche visiting the Chicago Blackhawks. Look, the Chicago Blackhawks, I think some of the new coach luster of Derrick King has started to worn off. They had a nice run to start with him. They still have a winning record under him, which is impressive, but they come out with two duds right after this holiday break. The first game, he says none of the players showed up. The second game, which they lose against the Calgary Flames, he's like, okay, only half the players showed up. That's not great. Um, We know who they are. They're not a playoff team this year, most likely. And we will probably see them be sellers at the trade deadline. The Avalanche, though, like I said, most games in hand in the Western Conference. And I'm excited because I'm talking to Nazem Kadri tonight. I wish I talked to him before the podcast to be able to share his insights because he's having just an unreal season. He is producing in a way that we hope for him and we aspire for him, but we really haven't seen him do this consistently. Um, and it's pretty nice rebound for him considering what happened to him in the playoffs of not being available by his own doing. Um, but Gabe Landeskog, when I watched their game on Sunday, that's who stood out to me against the ducks. He's just playing at a different level right now. When you think of this team, it's always Nathan McKinnon kind of runs the show. Now Caleb McCarr, we pay a lot of attention to, but Gabe Landeskog goes, Gets his long-term contract, longest tenured guy there, you know, has been the captain for so long. Didn't just cash out, though. Seems like he's elevated his game to a new level, and it's really exciting to see. Yeah, I'm not surprised about uh, Gabriel Landeskog. I knew he was going to resign with Colorado. He wanted to stay with the Avs. And I remember all the chatter by his teammates uh, expressing what he meant to this Avs team. Guys like Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr. Those guys, the superstars, uh, you know, Miko Rantanen, talking about what Gabriel Landeskog means to this team. And we're seeing it. He does all the little things. He'll, he'll come to, he'll go do battle. He'll, he'll, he'll pick a fight. He'll mm-hmm. pick a fight, you know, uh, to get his team spurred up, uh, get them going a light of fire. He's a wonderful captain. He checks all the boxes when it comes to being a captain. Plus he puts the puck in the net. Which is you know, kind of what you want from a first line winger. Yeah. And he deserves the money. You know, it's not like, and you're right. He just because he got paid, but you know, honestly, you can count on one hand, seriously. Hockey's a different animal. Hockey players are just so different in a great way. You know, so many will get paid and then they actually, you know, go out and earn their money. You know, they're just, you can count only on one or two hands really that have not done that. I mean, think about it. I think it's the humility, the work ethic, all of yeah. the values that we appreciate, the team first identity that these guys Yeah, they appreciate have. it. They're grateful. They're grateful. It's not about them. Yeah. No. Because I think there's also a guilt that players have sometimes of like, oh, I'm taking up this much cap space. That means that my GM can't spend on this, this, and this, which 
in any other sport is like a backwards way of thinking. You should be looking out for yourself and maximizing your career earnings. But they're like, no, I need to make sure I'm earn this. The one guy in Colorado that I mentioned, Nathan McKinnon, because I always talk about him. The one thing that cracked me up against that game of the Ducks is he's named like the second or third star. Doesn't come out and skate his little lap. <laughs> Apparently he does that all the time. Uh, I just find it interesting because usually like that's such, it was a home crowd and like maybe he's oh, just really? pissed off that he wasn't the first star. Maybe he's pissed off. I don't off think he's pissed off about that. The best game that he wanted to have. I don't know what it Emily, was. Emily, but... I, I don't even know the reason. I'm going to back him up. He, a, he probably think he didn't play well enough or had enough points. Yeah. To, and probably, he didn't even expect it. He was probably in the shower already. He was like, whatever. No. Oh, man. He probably feels bad. He's the first guy that probably feels bad about not coming out to the little skate. I know he doesn't do it a lot. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, I'm a big Nathan McKinnon fan and most hockey fans are for sure. And I know you are as well. Um, that was your fabulous week ahead. Looking forward to seeing you in between the benches in both those games. Uh, yeah, my Seattle game was canceled, but I am, this is like breaking news. I have not been back to Bristol, Connecticut since I moved out to Southern California three and a half years ago. I am going back. <laughs> I know that is, I actually thought about it last night. I was like, am I going to know which door to go in? I mean, what? I was asking you questions. I was calling you. I was like, uh, uh, what? You know, I, I was like, refresh my memory. Uh, where is it? What door do I walk into? Where's the studio? What? Where's the green room? Uh, but seriously, I'm really excited because it's Thursday night. It's our ESPN game. It's the Boston Bruins taking on the Minnesota Wild. And I will be doing hosting intermissions with the one and only, the Messiah, the legend, the GOAT to me, Mark Messier. Just Linda Cohn and Mark Messier talking a little hockey in between periods on Thursday night on ESPN and ESPN Plus. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Some might say that's two goats, two legends. What an iconic duo. I'm so excited. I'll be working a game that night, which I'm sure oh, you'll yes. be submissions for as well. But yes. that means I get to listen in on my headset when I'm stuck in my perch because they don't want me leaving anymore because of COVID. So at least I have something to do. And Linda, I cannot wait for you to walk into that new hockey studio because you see it on TV and I don't know, I feel like sometimes it just doesn't translate to TV of how gorgeous and how much right. this went in behind the scenes. So you're going to really enjoy being in that space. All right. I'll start, I'll, I'll start posting on Instagram again. Cause I kind of like laid off during the holidays. <laughs> I'll start once I get there in the studio and I'll tag you. Yeah, give it, give the fans I'll say, a little behind the scenes. Cause yeah, I don't because, do a job of that. You do. Yeah, no, I'll definitely do that. I'll, I'll even take a picture of the parking lot and find out and the entrance that the fans know that I found my way into the studio. Uh, but it'll, it'll really see all seriousness. It'll be great to see those people. You know, I spent plenty of years, you know, you know, almost three decades there in Bristol. So uh, it's crazy. It'll be great to be back uh, there. So that's all cool. So that'll be uh, my week. Plus, I get to be my son, see my son, Dan, who lives in Connecticut now. So that's absolutely positively amazing. I love that. And because of our travel schedules, I think the plan is, Linda, that this will be our only podcast of the week. So don't look for another one later in the week. But trust us, we are going to come back next week with so much juicy info. If I'm going to two games, Linda's going to Connecticut doing intermissions. We're going to be gathering a ton of intel to share with you guys on this podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. And uh, I'm going to get some inside scoops from Mark Messier. Maybe he'll give me a signed copy of his book. I'll even buy the book and he can just sign it. Maybe I can do that. Make that Sounds happen. fair. Yeah. Yes. Get, get some tea from Messier. That's what I want. I want to hear his opinions on that's your homework assignment. Oh, okay. That is that sort of like omens. Is yeah. that like the cool thing to say omens? Yeah. I keep <laughs> hit that's why I'm here. <laughs> good. I'll be ready then for my, uh, for my date in Bristol. Sounds good. All right. 
Emily, have fun this week. You too, Linda.